You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Thursday, 1 February, China has overtaken Japan as the world's top car exporter. I'm Simon Brown coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, Mateta Tulari from RMB. The high prop trading update. Man, we were out there shopping. Foot traffic was certainly there. Uh, Yusuf Sheikh from Yoko going cashless and debate around stores that are cash only. And then De- Dennis Hobson from uh, Logistics and Investech. The South African trade outlook for 2020. 24 in a world of is it stagnant growth slow growth certainly not powerful growth the show is brought to you by stanlib visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists stanlib asset management is an authorized financial services provider Morning headlines for MoneyWeb. Ellie's ops for business rescue. Its bankers declined to finance the acquisition of Bundu Power, signaling that the company was too late to benefit from lucrative solar and backup power opportunities. Business day. Fed holds rates steady as officials seek more confidence inflation is falling. Fed Chair Jerome Powell says a rate cut in March is not the base case. Morning markets. Yes, was red. It got spooked by that no March. S&P down one. 1.6%, NASDAQ down 1.9%. The East is mostly green, Sydney up a tenth of a percent, Tokyo down 0.7%, uh, Hong Kong up 1.5%, and Tencent up 2 and a third percent. Commodities also mostly green, gold 2064, Brent is the red 8106, Platinum 929, Palladium 985, Rand 1865, Bitcoin 41950, and top 40 opening call, red open, 170 points down, that is a quarter of a percent. MoneyWeb now, on the money. Also available on podcast. Trading now with uh, Mateta Tulari. He's head FX execution at RMB. Mateta, the, the trading updates are coming in thick and fast. The one that really interested me was Hyprop because, of course, they were mostly malls, South Africa and uh, Eastern Europe. We've seen sort of the retailers coming in with yeah, not bad updates. I mean, low base and, and low expectation. Hyprop shows that we really were out over November, December. We were in the shopping malls and probably to a degree spending as well. Yeah, so look, I mean, quite an interesting update from them that we saw yesterday. Yes, um, obviously they did come out to mention the fact that we, you know, they traded well over the festive season, and a majority of their centres really did demonstrate quite nice improvements in turnover turnover as well as trading density. So, like you say, the foots were actually just uh, walking around in all the malls, particularly in South Africa and also in Eastern Europe. But I think the most important thing I think for them is really focusing. On maintaining their centers relevance. I mean, if you think about the Clearwater malls, uh, I mean, I was out there, it was mm. quite full during November and December. Um, but also, I suppose, also their repositioning strategy. You did see them also, um, you know, acquiring Table Bay Mall last year for that 1.6 billion rand deal. And I think, you know, just the nice thing about them is that, you know, their tenant mixes continue yielding 
positive results. And I think it's also quite interesting for the fact that, you know, it is showing that uh, it was quite supportive um, of uh, the shopping centers because clearly uh, the people who frequent their centers are really, um, you know, supportive of this macroeconomic environment despite the challenges that we face. And I suppose the nice thing about the, the South African portfolio that they have is the fact that there was growth in their tenant turnover. The foot count was there. And trading during uh, the November period obviously normalized, but also you did see quite a lot of people coming out in December, and that trading performance was also shown in the year-on-year numbers. But I suppose also in Eastern Europe, um, strong operational performances in November and December. It's quite interesting that Eastern Europe, despite uh, the, the macroeconomic troubles that you're seeing there, the numbers were still there, but also the growth there was attributed to inflation, the improved macroeconomics, and the higher disposable incomes of people, as well as the center's uh, you know reposition strategy. So clearly, quite a decent set of numbers from a high, high prop. And I suppose this year, if the macroeconomic environment does somewhat improve, I think we will see you know still uh, diligent numbers from them. I, I, I take a point on that absolutely, and, and it certainly was it has been borne out by what we've seen from the retailers. A, a, a quick question, totally off track. Uh, Jerome Powell essentially saying, "March off the table. We're going to be data dependent." He really is saying everything that should be expected. The market didn't like it, but he's just he's being a central banker. You know what, Simon? I think every central banker is going to maintain that same stance up until June, July this year. There's quite a lot, unfortunately, on the go. Like, you know, too many moving parts at this point in time. The geopolitical risks, I mean, if you just had to number them, I mean, there's China, Taiwan at this point in time. There's Ukraine, Russia. There's uh, Israel, Hamas. Um, There's also Pakistan, Iran. Um, You know, there's also elections globally. There's also the Red Sea shipping zone issues there. That could spiral all out of control. Every global central bank at this point in time is going to maintain that stance. They really need to see inflation coming down before anybody can move. Lesija Khanyakho said the same thing last week. Jay Powell saying the same thing last night. And I think, obviously, this talk about a potential March cut from them is off the table. I think, if anything, we're only going to start seeing cuts uh, possibly from the second quarter of this year, also maybe into the third quarter. I think everybody's going to wait, wait, watch what's going to be happening from a global tension perspective, look at the macro data numbers before they can start moving. And I think it was quite a prudent move from Jay Powell. Yeah, I, I take a point, absolutely. Market might not have liked it, but fr- frankly, I don't think Jerome Powell particularly worries much about the market. He's got a job to do, and that's to fight the inflation. Mateta Tulari, head, FX execution, RMB, always appreciate the early morning. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. I'm chatting with Yusuf Sheikh, Strategy Associate for Yoko. Yusuf, appreciate the time today. Going cashless, and certainly there's been with a social media hype. We'll get to that in a second. But cash really is, it's kind of fading. The pandemic speeded it up. Technology really is the big change here. 100%, Simon. I think there's two important trends that we need to sort of acknowledge and 
One is sort of a macro trend, something that's happening across the world. And then second is something that's more South Africa specific. You know, generally, we're seeing the world moving towards digital money. So moving away from, you know, handling and using physical cash to run transactions and, you know, away from, you know, all the systems, things like checks to things that are fully electronic, whether it's the cards that you have physically or, you know, the Apple Pay or the Google Pay or the scan to pay that you use on your phone. So it's really driven by the customer, the technology that's become available to them, and them seeing that as a more convenient way to transact. On the other side, which is also very much more South Africa specific, we're seeing, and you know, this is not something that's recent, but it's something that's been ongoing, is the risk around using cash. So think about any small business. They need mm. to you know, accept cash from their customers, cash it up every day, take it to the bank. Bank needs to be positive, or if you're a larger business, you have a cash in transit vehicle that comes and picks up your cash. You know, the spate of cash in transit incidents that have happened, as well as just the general risk of, you know, walking to the bank or driving to the bank with cash in your car is just a general risk for business. So we see these two trends sort of intersecting and seeing businesses like the ones we've seen on social media choosing to go the cashless route because, you know, it's meeting the customer where the customer is at, but it's also mitigating some some real risks that businesses face in South Africa. And those risks, they're real. And of course, they're in expense at the same time. You mentioned checks. And of course, I had completely forgotten about checks. But the small businesses, the retailers, I mean, it is a big boon for them. It simplifies life. I mean, you know, if I'm at a, I don't know, the local market, I don't need to have a float. And a lot of my listeners are, what the heck is a float? There was change. I mean, <laughs> it, it's that sort of thing. It really does just make the process so much easier and so much more seamless. A hundred percent. I guess let's just double down a little bit on the float question. I mean, I can speak to this anecdotally. In junior school, I had market day the day before. I had to go to some small shops, take a hundred yeah, yeah. notes, split it up into two rands, one rand and five rand. So I had change the next day. I assume, you know, kids of today, if they had their market day, they'd have a card machine and it would simplify it. But that principle doesn't apply to small businesses or sort of a hobbyist. It applies to your weekend markets, exactly that. You know, on the one side, moving your money over into a digital way to transact, that's one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is you have so much deeper insight in terms of how you got your money in. So, mm. you know, when everything's electronic, you can track it against the product that you sold or the time that you sold something. And this is where small businesses have seen the benefit beyond just the transaction is they're seeing the data behind it. They're seeing this product sells better than that. This is a more peak time for me than another time. This is probably a time where I need some extra staff in my store compared to another time in my day where my transactions take a bit of a drop. So yeah, it's, it's the convenience, it's the safety, but it's also added this huge layer of insight that businesses previously w weren't able to easily infer if they were just using cash. It's even the benefit to me. I bought something recently. They sent me a digital electronic email receipt. And when I was prepping for this, I type Yoko into my Gmail and there pops up the receipt. And I've got it there digitally. But there has been pushback and thinking particularly the Woolies. And it turned out it was Woolies Cafe, not the Woolies sort of clothing or food. But my sense was that was probably more social media than reality. I think in principle, consumers or people on social media are seeing the trend, the move towards cashless. And even though it may have just been the cafe or it is just the cafe, I think they're seeing that as a sign of things to come in the future. And of course, for people who are still heavily dependent on cash and, you know, there are sub-segments in the economy. There are people who, you know, come over into South Africa or, you know, currently don't have bank accounts or can't easily open bank accounts and transact mm. that have cash. There are people who, you know, out of no control of their own, get paid in cash by their employees. They may be mm. contract workers or they may not be working on a normal salary basis. So I, I think there are, you know, certain sub-segments of customers, consumers 
who work on this cash basis who almost see this as them being sidelined by some businesses and they're seeing this as hey you know if, if it starts with one sector it's probably going to expand into others but i think the important thing to consider is that for this specific example that we saw with Woolworths cafe they're starting with their coffee shop i think that's the whole idea is let's look at one specific segment of my business see how well the move over to cash basis goes does it really affect my sales am i losing 20 30% of sales and then sort of reconsider the decision against the risks that i would usually face if i had cash i think that's probably the thinking that's going to be going on in a lot of business owners mind if i remove the ability to accept cash what risk am i removing versus what benefit am i getting and just managing that yeah and i think it's a difference perhaps willies versus maybe a usave it's it's going to be situation specific as much as anything else we'll leave it there yusuf shake strategy associate for yoko always appreciate the time that's the poll today talking cashless are you going cashless certainly that is the trend i mean i'm seeing less and less cash out there more digital payment solutions uh, how much are you using cash how much are you going completely and absolutely digital have your vote have your say linkedin and twitter your money knows it's not just about the money it's about your returns returning the favor and empowering people your money can do more to change the narrative beyond delivering consistent returns Investing in the Stanlib Kanyisa Impact Investment Fund can help eradicate poverty and protect the environment. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting now with uh, Dennis Hobson. He's head of logistics at Investec. Uh, Dennis, great to chat again. Looking uh, forward to, to, to trade for this year, particularly with South Africa, but let's start global. We're expecting sort of moderate global growth. We've seen an upgrade from the IMF, but still growth really not coming in at, at, at the top end of, of what we would like as a planet, uh, coupled with potentially volatile global uh, trade just generally with geopolitical and everything. It's going to be a bit of a wild year out there for for folks such as yourself in logistics and trade. Good morning, Simon, and good morning to your listeners. So, yes, I mean, on a global basis, um, GDP is not uh, expected to um, to grow significantly. Um, there are geopolitical tensions, um, there are potential of additional risks on the, the geopolitical side. If we consider China-Taiwan, if anything takes place there, mm. that could have a big impact. Um, and then also, it's a big political year for many countries. Um, I think it's over 60 countries holding elections this yeah. year. So that will you know, create some caution, um, depending on what the outcomes of those uh, elections are. Um, so, you know, there's definitely a cautious approach. And then, obviously, the inflation side is, is another factor that's been watched closely. Um, you know, when will inflation start coming down? Uh, and, and when will interest rates uh, start being, being reduced? So there's quite a lot to, to factor in there. Um, so there's definitely a cautious approach. Um, and then from a, a, a supply chain point of view, and we've got the Red Sea issue at the moment, but yeah. there's also you know, additional capacity in the market, a lot of new build ship capacity coming into the market this year. So that's also, I think, helping just to, to taper off the, the big significance that, that these uh, issues like the Red Sea could have on, on global supply chains. I get your point on that because we chatted Red Sea and, and, and in the note you put out, I mean, you mentioned weather as well. I mean, the, the drought is impacting the Panama Canal, which is, I mean, I mean, you know, it's just weather 101, but it was something I suppose no one had really thought of. But that extra back capacity, does that help to sort of drive down prices which would otherwise perhaps be getting driven higher? Yeah, so... You know, under current circumstances and where they're expecting growth to grow on a global uh, basis, 
um, you know, we don't expect demand to um, to substantially increase. So mm. you have this additional capacity and this new build capacity. Those shipping lines need to deploy those vessels onto onto trade. So one that's going to help um, when you do have certain disruptions. There is additional capacity um, that they can can deploy. Um, mm-hmm. But again, you know, if you look at things like uh, you know Panama Canal, no, there's on certain trades there there will be definite impacts. But yeah. I think the world's also learned through COVID. You know, all the different stakeholders they do they do adjust rather quickly these days. Um, so they you know, have taken those learnings those learnings forward. Uh, bringing it local from a South African perspective, biggest concern remains uh, Transnet ports and rail infrastructure. Uh, do we is there a scenario out there where where shipping lines sort of maybe start avoiding our ports because of wait times, which frankly is a is a cost for them? And and, and I mean I don't know maybe they're going to Maputo, maybe they're just completely uh, avoiding the southern tip of Africa. Absolutely, there's uh, you know Transnet has shown some improvements, and, and uh, all credit to to acting CEO. Michelle Phillips, she's really, you know, trying to make things happen. But, you know, this, <laughs> this ship turns slowly. Um, <laughs> but right now, you know, there's, the congestion is still there. There's, there's still big equipment issues more on, on the land side. Um, you know, they've tried to improve delay, uh, reducing vessel waiting times where they hasn't been in their favor either. So we have to give, you know, mm. make a note of that. Um, but, you know, there are more cranes on their way. So it's going to improve gradually. Um, Chinese New Year's also post Chinese New Year shipping period will allow the ports uh, to just clear up some of the the backlogs as well as there'll be a reduction in capacity coming in into the country post Chinese New Year. Um, but yeah, there's definitely you know a lot of work being done in public private uh, space and uh, shipping lines are actually looking at you know their, their schedules and how they are routing the vessels. Are they utilizing them? effectively because there is a significant cost when they do get stuck out these ports um so we can expect some kind of change uh you know in the coming months from from different uh, different shipping lines and they want to deploy the capacity where they're getting the biggest yield yeah I mean, absolutely uh, you mentioned weather there and i mean I, wind i was down in cape town over the christmas period and it was unseasonally very very windy uh, which of course for cape town harbor is an issue I mean, climate change is suddenly a i mean maybe it's a medium to longer term uh, 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 threat to 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 global logistics but it is real i mean panama canal drought uh, winds in cape town out of season this suddenly must be on the radar of of again the logistics experts and shippers the world over Absolutely. I mean, we do see weather conditions becoming more and more extreme. Um, and, and along Antipas, so Cape Town, the whole, uh, you know, Eastern Cape, uh, mm. KZN, um, you know, so the port did lose out on a lot of days of uh, operating because of, of wind. Um, you know, but that's also where, you you know, they've got to come up with solutions. Well, how do they yeah. you know, operate at higher wind speeds? You know, for example, um, down in Cape Town, you know, let the cranes operate at a far higher wind speed than the current 60 kilometers an hour type situation. So, you know, it, it, we've got to accept that we're going to have these weather conditions. It's all part of, should be part of business planning as well, how to mitigate some of these risks. So there, there's a lot of work to be done, but at least they are identifying, you know, the, the areas that, that need the work. Um, and it, we're just going to have to be patient for, for the time being, unfortunately. Yeah, as you say, it takes time for a ship to turn. We'll leave it there. Dennis Hobson, Head of Logistics at Investec. Appreciate the early morning insights. MoneyWeb at Midday is South Africa's fastest-paced audio news and current affairs show. Give me 30 minutes and I'll give you the country and the world. This is what you missed. Because of government inefficiencies, you're looking at the fuel levy, in a sense, as a, a cash cow, taking hard-earned tax money from citizens 
to compensate for government inefficiencies. Live at noon weekdays and then up as a podcast on moneyweb.co.za. Moneyweb at midday with me, Jeremy Max. When you need relevant news quickly in your own time. That's it for today. We were chatting with uh, Toby van Heerden yesterday. He, of course, CEO at 10X Investments. Their retirement reality report showing South Africans are not ready for retirement. And, and this is a global concern, but obviously their report is a local one. We asked how your retirement plans are looking. Half of you said doing great. Kudos to that. Uh, quarter doing poorly. Rest split between not sure and haven't started yet. Have your vote. Have your say. LinkedIn and Twitter. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlip.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlip Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning on the MoneyWeb website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobuchle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. If you're loving the show, please consider leaving us a positive rating in your podcatcher of choice. And we'll chat again tomorrow offshore stock picks in a tricky market. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.